And I think it's for this reason we have leaky brains, don't we? We are forgetful by nature. We are forgetful by nature. We tend to forget things. We forget where we put our keys and our cell phones. We forget birthdays and anniversaries. Amen, men? Walking into a room, we often forget why we're even there. How many of you have done that? You walk into the kitchen, you have no clue why you're there. Then you go back and sit down, you realize, oh, it's because I wanted to eat something. We do it to our phones too, right? You pick up your phone, you start scrolling, you're like, why do I, I know I got on my phone for some reason, but why am I on it? We tend to forget things. Uh, we don't just tend to forget things, we tend to forget thoughts as well. We have a tendency to forget what God has done for us. Don't we? We have a tendency to be like a child on Christmas morning who loves his toy, but then by Christmas evening is bored and ready for something else. The freshness is worn off and we're ready to move on. God's grace was good in the moment, but now that the freshness of his mercy has gotten stale, we begin to complain and think we have it bad. So in today's passage, we're going to see that the Bible calls us to intentionally reflect on God's goodness and his faithfulness so that it produces in us an even more faithful, obedient and loving heart to him. We're called to look back intentionally and honestly reflect on what God has done and who we've been so that it produces in us an even more loving, obedient, and faithful heart. I'm going to read this entire psalm to you. This is a recounting of God's his, or Israel's history. And it's not a short psalm. It's not a short psalm. So strap in, get ready for a ride. This is Israel's history. Psalm 78, starting in verse 1. Give ear, my people, to teach uh, to my teaching, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will obey. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the words that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. The Ephraimites, armed with the, armed with the bow, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. In the sight of their fathers, he performed wonders. In the land of Egypt, in the fields of Zoan, he, delivered the, uh, he divided the sea and let them pass through it and made the waters stand like a heap. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a fiery light. He split rocks in the wilderness. He gave, them drink, uh, he gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their hearts by demanding food that they craved. 
They spoke against God saying, can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so the water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also, uh, can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? Therefore, when the Lord heard he was full of wrath, a fire was kindled against Jacob. His anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. Yet he commanded the skies above to open the doors of heaven and he rained down on them manna to eat and gave them grain of heaven. Man ate of the bread of the angels. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens and by his power he led out the south wind. He rained meat on them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas. He let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwellings. And they ate and were filled. For he gave them what they craved. But before they had satisfied their craving, while the food was still in their mouths, the anger of the Lord, or the anger of God, rose against them, and he killed the strongest of them, and laid low the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they still sinned. Despite his wonders, they did not believe. So he made their days vanish like a breath, and their years in terror. When he killed them, he sought them. Or, or, when, when, when he killed them, they sought him. They repented and sought God earnestly. They remembered that God was their rock, the most high God, the Redeemer. But they flattered him with their mouths. They lied to him with their tongues. Their heart was not steadfast toward him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all of his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. How often they've rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them from the foe. When he performed his signs in Egypt and his marvels in the fields of Zoan, he turned their rivers to blood so that they could not drink of their streams. He sent among them swarms of flies. He devoured them and frogs, which destroyed them. He gave their crops, he gave their crops to destroying locusts and their fruit of their labor to the locusts. He destroyed their vines with hail and their sycamores with frost. He gave over their cattle to hail and their flocks to thunderbolts. He let loose on them his burning anger, wrath, indignation, and distress, a company of destroying angels. He made a path for his anger. He did not spare them from death, but gave their lives over to the plague. He struck down every firstborn in Egypt, the firstfruits of their strength in their tents. Then he led out his people like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. He led them in safety so that they were not afraid. But the sea overwhelmed their enemies. And he, and he, and he bought them, brought them to his holy land, to the mountain which was right, with which his right hand had won. He drove out nations before them. He appointed them for a possession and settled the tribes of Israel in their tents. Yet they tested and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies. 
but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. They twisted like a deceitful bow. For they provoked him to anger with their high places and moved him to jealousy with their idols. When God heard, he was full of wrath and he utterly rejected Israel. He forsook his dwelling at Shiloh and the tent where, where he dwelt among mankind. He delivered his power to captive. He delivered his power to captivity, his glory to the hand of the foe. He gave his people over to the sword and vented his wrath on, the her- on his heritage. Fire devoured their young men and their young women in, in no marriage song. Their priests fell by the sword and their widows made no lamentation. Then the Lord awoke as from sleep, like a strong man shouting because of wine, and he put his adversaries to rout. He put them to everlasting shame. He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens, like the earth, which is founded forever. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep uh, from the sheepfolds from following the nursing ewes he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people Israel his inheritance with upright heart he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand and what a history let's pray and let's dig in a little bit father we come before you and thank you for this day and this time you've given us god we thank you for this reflection that Israel has here on their history with you. And God, we pray that we would learn something from it this morning about our own history. God, we pray that you'd help us to understand uh, more about you and how you relate to us. We love you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Yeah, so that's a long song, I know. But I wanted to hear that whole thing because it really is one big, long story that really was repetitious. There was a cycle that was happening, right? But I think as, as these Israelites look back and recounted, I think we can learn some things from them. First thing is, <clears throat> or part of what I want you to learn is that reflecting really has two sides to it. Um, reflecting has two sides. One is looking back at God's goodness. And the second part of that is looking at our own fallenness and how we might grow. And so we see in this psalm that aspect of looking back and recounting God's goodness. So that's number one, recounting God's goodness. God gave them the law and the history, and God had a relationship with them. And you can see that. He gave them a law and said, hey, you need to pass this down to your children. You have a responsibility to pass this to the next generation. He even talks about the children yet unborn, meaning like, hey, grandparents or, or uh, children right now who don't have kids, you need to be thinking about how you might pass this to your grandkids. Like, think about how you might pass this to the, those yet unborn. And why does he want them to do that? Well, verses 6 and 8, 6 through 8, tell us that uh, so that they might know the law, so they might set their hope in God, then they might not forget his work and keep his commandments, and that they might not be like their fathers. As they looked back, they saw the sin that their fathers had committed, the, the people that had come before them, and they wanted to pass that down to them so they wouldn't make those same mistakes. And what had God done for them? We looked at verse, um, this whole thing is just full of what God had done for them. Verse 12 stands out. It says, In the sight of their fathers, God performed wonders. He divided the sea and let them pass through it. He led them out of Egypt by a, by a pillar of, uh, by a cloud by the day, or a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. 
Uh, when they were hungry and, the, hungry and thirsty in the de he, desert, he split a rock and brought water from it. He literally rained down bread from them in the morning when they, he gave them manna. He caused the quail to fall from the sky all around them. It's like buffalo wild wings just falling all over you. It's like cloudy with a chance of meatballs but from the Old Testament. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs is a kid's show, if you don't know, um, where food falls from the sky. I mean, that's literally what happened to these Israelites and it was an amazing thing. God had blessed them in so many ways. Even when they were taken into captivity, he fought against the, uh, the Egyptians, right? And we read of all the plagues that he brought against the Egyptians so that they might go free. He delivered them from bondage. He'd done so many good things for them. This psalm recounts all of those. How wise is it for us when we're struggling, when we're down, when we're reflecting to say, man, what has God done for us? What are the good things that he has done for us. Let's think about it first, Baptist. What has God done for all of us this year? Well, God has provided every single one of you with food and a home and family. All year, he's provided that for you. God has given in this congregation, he's given new jobs. He's allowed folks to graduate from classes and courses and start new paths in life. God's brought new life into our congregation. We've got a little baby Taylor back there and a little baby Kaysen over here, who's, I know he's a year, so he's like, I guess it would have been, would have been last year, but technically. Not only has God brought new life into our church, he sustained that life. I think of um, how God has had his hand on Kaysen this whole year. He's had a rough first year, but he's gonna be a tough little dude because uh, there's not much else that God can throw at him right now. And God has sustained him through that and sustained you guys through that. I think of Miss Faye sitting back there who lost her husband. And God has used our church and her family to sustain her even through that loss. God has allowed us, as we saw in these videos, to minister to literally hundreds of students and families in our community. God has allowed us to keep the lights on. We aren't sitting here freezing cold in the winter and we don't sweat too much in the summer. Uh, God has done so many things for us. God has allowed us to still exist. We meet today because God has sustained us. And to be honest, God sustained us in times when it probably didn't seem like we were going to last much longer. God has been so good to us, not just this year, but through all the years. When hundreds of churches are shutting their doors, God has allowed us to still have a presence here. God has allowed us to still let our light burn. And to be sure, no church lasts forever. There's no First Baptist Ephesus. There's no First Assembly Corinthians, right? All of those first churches don't exist anymore. There may be a time when our church doesn't exist, but it's not today, right? It's not today. It's not this year. And we're going to press forward because God has been so gracious to us and been so good to us, so faithful to us. So we should always look back on what God has done for us. And we should do this on a regular basis in our own lives. Folks, let me encourage you to do that on a regular basis in your own life. And think of two realms in which you should be thankful for. Number one, you should be thankful for God's common grace. This is the grace that God shows to every single human being that exists. Jesus talks about how the rain falls on the righteous and the wicked. God makes no difference. He gives rain to everybody. Right? Everybody gets to have their crops fed right, by the rains. God makes the rain fall on the righteous and the wicked. He shows favor and grace to the people he's created. He loves all mankind. There's amazing things that you can look at 
on a regular basis. And I encourage you, just as this psalm encourages us to do, pass these things along to the next generation. Um, Judah was uh, riding in the car with me the other day, and he loves to make up songs. And he is singing a song to the tune of O Tannenbaum or O Christmas Tree. He's like, um, uh, he says something like, Jesus and God, how we love you. Jesus, God, and Santa Claus. Like he adds Santa in there. And I'm like, well, buddy, we don't want to, we don't sing about, we don't sing to Santa Claus and worship him. And he's like, well, why not? I said, because he didn't make us. He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I said, God made us. And then he starts talking about, well, um, why doesn't God give power to everybody? Um, he said, does Santa have power? I said, no, why didn't he give power to everybody? I said, well, he does give us some power. He said, what power do I have? I said, are you breathing, aren't you? He said, yeah. Do you use batteries? No. Well, then you have superpower. You can run without batteries. He's like, oh, I do have a superpower. I said, well, when you get scratched, you get a cut on your arm. Uh, does it just fix itself? He said, well, yeah. Well, you got healing power. You got all kinds of powers that God gives you. Those are common graces that we should encourage our kids to realize and ourselves to realize that's something God gave us. That's an amazing way that God has designed us, that we run without batteries and we can fix ourselves a lot of the times, right? Our bodies just fix and we don't have to think about it. Um, there's all kinds of common graces that we can point ourselves to and our kids to. But don't just think about God's common grace. Think of his particular grace as well. The specific things that he's done in your life. Talk about how God has saved you. If you're a Christian, you have an amazing story to tell. And looking forward into this year, one thing I want to do is help us hear each other's stories more. Every single one of us has a miraculous, and I use that word intentionally and not, not, not facetiously, there's a miraculous story of your salvation, which is your testimony. As you can see, in Israel's history, it's a miraculous thing when somebody trusts and believes. It's a crazy thing when somebody trusts and believes. And you have that story. I wonder how many of us parents in here, have you told your, your, your kids your testimony? I never have. I've never sat down and told Javen or my kids, this is what happened to me. Um, this is how I went from being a sinner to being saved. I've never told my kids that. I, it, it's kind of weird for me to think about. Um, the pastor's never told his kids about his testimony. Um, but how often do we get to share that testimony of us going from death to life, from lost to found, from enemy to friend? I want us to put, uh, uh, over this next year, I want to give opportunities for us, whether it's in community group or in services, at business meetings, to give more testimony, to allow you all to share your stories with each other so that we can be built up by that. Because I can guarantee you the person next to you was saved by the same Savior, but probably not in the same manner. There was a different journey you took that somebody's going to praise God for. Uh, and they get to, in some sense, live, experience that, that salvation story vicariously through you again to hear how you came to the Lord. So let's be people uh, like parts of this psalm that say, hey, look what God has done for us. Look at all the good things he's done. So number one, recount God's goodness. Second, acknowledge our own fallenness. You notice in this psalm, the word yet comes up a lot. Yet. Talks about God's goodness, yet the Israelites failed. Verse 17 says they still sin. Verse 32 um, says that in spite of all this, they sinned. Verse 56 tells us, yet they tested and rebelled. Yet, yet, yet. God was good. God was good. God was good. Yet Israel sinned. 
Yet Israel tested God. Yet, in spite of. And as we look back on our year, we can probably say, you know what? There were times when I was not faithful to the Lord. There were times when I failed, when I wasn't as good of a dad as I could have been. I wasn't as good of a pastor as I could have been. I wasn't as good of a friend as I could have been. I didn't read the Bible enough. I didn't pray enough. I didn't give enough. We can look back and see all those ways that we failed. But I want to encourage you. There's a way to self-reflect that's selfish. You know what I mean by that? You can look at yourself and throw, start throw a pity party and make it all about yourself all again. We need to reflect um, as Christians do. And that's simply called repenting, right? When we reflect on the ways that we failed over this last year, and I know we've all failed, and at the end of a year, we might even think, man, that was a pointless year. That was a horrible year. But in God's grace, he can turn that around. Because there's lots of yets in this passage that apply to Israel. There's a few yets that apply to God. In verse 23, it says this. After they'd sinned, it says, Yet he commanded the skies to be open and the doors of heaven and to rain down manna to eat. Like God miraculously gave them bread even though they had sinned. Verse 38 says this. Yet he, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. As we acknowledge our failings, as we acknowledge the fact that we have fallen short of what God wants us to do, remember that God's reaction to that is grace. God's reaction to our sin is grace, and it always is. And as we think of maybe ways that we can improve and grow, realize that God looks at us and forgives us for our shortcomings and wants us to, to, wants to help us become better. And as we, as we fall short, we can often forget his goodness, but remember that God responds to our yets with his own yets. Yet we sinned, yet he loves. And remember that. And then finally, as we, as, we, as we end this psalm, we see that uh, in this psalm, there's a recounting of God's goodness, an acknowledging of our fallenness, and then a following of God's shepherd. At the end of this psalm, it really culminates pointing to David, the shepherd that God had given Israel. In verse 70, it says, He chose David his servant, took him from the sheepfolds, from following the nursing ewes, and he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, uh, Israelite, his inheritance. God gave the nation of Israel a good, godly leader in David that he might lead them in the way that he should go. Because they had this troubled history of following God and failing, following, then failing, following, then failing, over and over and over again, forgetting God's goodness. And God provided them a good king, a good shepherd in David, um, someone who was a man after God's own heart. So for Israel, they were to, at this point in time, look to their good shepherd that God gave them and know how to follow the Lord. We know the end of that story, don't we? David, although he was a man after God's own heart, failed just like the rest of them because he was, he was them. He was human. But we have a good shepherd, a great shepherd that we look to, and that is Jesus, who can guide us through difficult times, who fights our battles for us, and provides for our every need. As you walk into 2024, and you think, man, 
2023 was rough. 2024 cannot be any better. Know that you've got a God who is who came to be like you, what we thought about in Christmas, and shepherds you now. He, he guides you through those darkest times, and you can trust in him and follow him. To close up to this morning, I want us to, in some sense, read a psalm together again. I'm going to read with you Psalm 136. And this is going to be a, a back and forth. Um, I'm going to read the uh, white part. You guys are going to read the orange part. Um, and you're going to realize the orange part's the same part every time. So you're going to get this memorized really quick. But let's read this. And it just speaks of God's love. And I want you guys to verbalize with your mouths this idea of God's love enduring forever. And think about it. As you roll from 2023 into 2024, God's steadfast love for you will endure Forever. Let's read this again. I'll read the white and then you read the orange. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone has done great wonders. To him who by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule over the day. The moon and stars to rule over the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outreached arm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it. But overthrew Pharaoh and his hosts in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his servant. It is he who remembered us in our low estate. He rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Let's pray.